Sir Balper, the T1 of Brass. I'm Carson Stooley. This is Fangraphs Audio. My guest on this edition of Fangraphs Audio is very likely uh, the best hitter not currently playing in affiliated baseball. His name is Chris Nowak. Uh, he's currently this winter playing in, in the, Ven- uh, sorry, the Venezuelan Winter League, uh, where he is uh, among that league's top hitters. Of course, every... Uh, Every week, I'll or, or very frequently, I'll run a sort of uh, a stat. I refer to it as scout. Uh, that is a sort of all-encompassing uh, batting stat uh, that uses regressed walk and home run and strikeout rates uh, for both for both pitchers and batters. Uh, Chris Nowak has uh, acquitted himself very well in this regard uh, so far this winter in in Venezuela. I, I think in the most recent leaderboard for that particular metric, he was fifth, surrounded by. Uh, players who are currently in affiliated baseball. This uh, summer, and in fact the last two summers, he's played in uh, for the York Revolution of the Atlantic League. Uh, both of those seasons, the York Revolution, um, I'm sure in, in, uh, in no small part due to Nowak's uh, contributions, have, have won the Atlantic League. Uh, this past year, he was, again, by uh, the so- sort of uh, regressed offensive metric scout that I, uh, that I will sometimes employ, he was the best hitter in that regard. The other day I tweeted out that uh, Nowak was, in fact, probably the best unaffiliated hitter uh, currently in baseball. Uh, immediately after that, uh, Fernando Perez, who, of course, used to be the center fielder for the Tampa Bay Rays, uh, played center field for them during their World Series run, I think 2008, that is now. Uh, he immediately uh, uh, wrote back to me, uh, in addition to being a very good hitter, Nowak is also uh, an excellent guy, an excellent guy, something like that. Um, and so I thought to myself, uh, wouldn't, uh, wouldn't Chris Nowak be the sort of person uh, that I'd like to have on Fangraphs Audio? Uh, in fact, it just so happened that he was back in Milwaukee as uh, some manner of uh, uh, family visitation or wedding, etc. Uh, that's not particularly important. The point is that he is uh, in the United States, was able to talk. Uh, what follows is the uh, the fruit of that conversation. Um, just excellent stuff. It was a real pleasure to talk to him and uh, get nerdy and stuff with mechanics, uh, stuff like that. Uh, look at the independent league, what playing there is like, playing in Venezuela is like, um, what being blocked by Evan Longoria is, is like, uh, because if Evan Longoria is in your organization, uh, you're probably not going to win that job. Uh, and that's a reality, and, and, and that's uh, the sort of reality that Nowak has had to deal with, and, and on which he's uh, pretty thoughtful and articulate. So uh, we'll get to that audio uh, uh, immediately. Let's do it right now. Uh, so this is Fangraphs Audio. Uh, the guest is Chris Nowak, probably the best hitter not currently playing in uh, affiliated baseball, and uh, and it begins right now. drive into the, the playoffs, um, you know, hopefully go into the playoffs there and, and see what happens. <laughs> What's that? Uh, is this this is your first season playing in the, the Venezuelan League? Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, first year. I've uh, been, been really awesome. Um, enjoyed it. I, I had a, a taste of, of Mexico, uh, the Winter League last year, and um, the team was, is you know, was a winner, and last year they were having some struggles, so they, they kind of were hitting the panic button, and I played five games, and I mean, I didn't do bad, but I, you know, I, I think I had 20 at pass or something, I hit like 250, and they had an opportunity to take another player that, that they knew of, um, and, 
they, they jumped on the opportunity. So, um, you know, I had the five-day experience, and uh, I'll say that my Venezuela experience has been far none way better and, and a lot more fun. And, and the baseball, I feel like, is a is a tick better and, and more competitive. Um, just overall, the I feel like the Venezuelan players just a better a little better baseball player than the Mexican player. Um, you know, when when they have to put the teams together, they have to have all, uh, you know, a certain number of international players, and then obviously the rest have to be from the country. So. Yeah, it does seem, uh, just looking over some of the rosters, and um, because I'm particularly nerdy about uh, some of the stuff that's not necessarily like, you know, uh, major league level, uh, you know, I've sort of been looking at some of those rosters and some of the stats associated with some of the players. And it seems like the, like you mentioned, like the quality of player is pretty high. It's a, there's a lot of affiliated guys. Yeah. Um, I want to say seven of the eight, uh, are, are major league players that are, that are starting out, you know, out on the, out on the field. Uh, when I left, I was like the only one really that had no, well, the only one that had no significant like big league time, and then yeah, like six of them are like you know starting major leaguers even. So it's uh, yeah, like I said, just uh, I feel like a little bit better quality of player um, in Venezuela, just you know overall, um, especially the the position player. Now, uh, you mentioned that, that you're out in the field with with major leaguers or or at least high level uh, affiliated players. Um, I don't I don't know if you had a chance to look at, at this uh, post I did towards the beginning of this week. Um, it was uh, using a sort of nerdy regression, but it, it's it, it's pretty clear that at this point, uh, so far this season, the Venezuelan league, you've been one of the best hitters there. Uh, it's also pretty clear that. Um, in the Atlantic League this year, you were you were the best hitter by kind of a considerable amount. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, just looking at uh, if we, you know uh, we're able to again by the nerdiest of processes uh, translate stats from across different leagues, you basically hit uh, you know you hit like a guy who would not be totally lost in the major leagues. And I'm curious. I mean, does this d- does this seem natural to you? Does it make sense to you that? That uh, by a number of different measures, you would be you sort of be on that level. Yeah, no, yeah, no doubt. Um, you know, I hit the prime of my career and kind of got you know just I don't know not not left out of affiliated ball, but um, just the, the wrong place at the wrong time kind of thing. I, you know, you you have to be in the right place at the right time uh, in in affiliate ball. I feel like you know a lot of things are going younger. Um, than, than getting a guy that, you know, they used to say that, that you're in your prime 28 through 31, 32, you know, and I'm going to be 30 next year. And I feel like I'm, you know, in my prime. I feel like I understand what I'm doing uh, as far as, like, my swing and uh, all that. So, you know, you saying that I, I feel like that I could compete um, at a, you know, a big league level even, would wouldn't be far out of the question, um, you know. But it's just a matter of a you know a team taking a shot, um, and 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 I had a, a, a rough you know couple years when I went. To, uh, I ended with the, the Tampa Bay Rays and then went over to the Brewers and met you know uh, a couple really good hitting coaches and um, kind of figured things out from there. Um, 
and you know it's it, you know that stuff doesn't happen overnight and you know as i strung at bats together going into independent ball you know i finally could string 100 at bats together again and you know the last year and a half you could see what i had done i'd hit um 25 home runs uh, last year and then this past then i hit 34 and you know the, the year before was 25 under 300 at bats, and then this this past season was 34 and just over 400 at bats. So it's not like you know it's uh, one one hit wonder, one year wonder kind of thing. And then and then going to to Venezuela and and performing. Um, and I and to be honest with you, I I'm playing well, you know, but I I feel like I'm I'm still I still wasn't in that groove that I was in when I was playing, you know, during the season. Um, and, you know, just, just for the fact that I could possibly even be doing better, you know, um, you know, I, I feel like I, you know, not to sell myself short, but I really feel like I could be doing, doing even better. Now, listen, um, I, I, I don't know how nerdy you want to get about this, but with regard to, um, maybe some mechanical adjustments, you know, you mentioned mm-hmm. that working with a couple guys in the, the Milwaukee organization, um, mm-hmm. maybe... They helped you out directly, or they kind of gave you time and space to work that out. Uh, mm-hmm. Who 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 was that, and and what uh, what changes, if any, did you make in particular? Um, the the you know main guy was uh, a guy named Al LaBeouf, um, who is now the AAA hitting coach um, with with the Brewers in, in Nashville, but he, he had some health issues, I believe, this past year, so he couldn't stay there the whole whole year. But um, him and um, who was and I don't know if he still is, but he was the uh, the hitting coordinator. Um, they call him DC. Uh, I, I cannot remember his, his last name's Coleman. I cannot remember his first name, DC. But you know, we we did you know work um, during the season when I got to Double A when I first got signed by the Brewers, and then you know that was like me trying to put everything together, take it to the game, and you know some games I felt like I was getting it, and then some games I felt like I was. You know, I was a right-handed swinger. I was supposed to be, you know, hitting left-handed or something. You know, just kind of all over the place. Don't know, you know, what was going on, kind of thing. And then went to spring training. Had you know, had the off season, and then went back back with the Brewers and went to spring training and worked stuff out in in spring training and um, ended up going to AAA and just things didn't fall in the right place there. That you know, they were going to play uh, a couple guys at the positions that I played, and I understood that. And uh, you know. I had like 50, 50 plate appearances in, in two months, so I I ended up taking um, my release to to maybe you know hopefully get picked up by another team and 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 uh, as it happened I went to a, uh, uh, excuse me independent ball and uh, you know that was you know kind of the a blessing actually in disguise to, to go there and and just you know play you know have fun and and not worry about uh, you know, some, you know, a, a coordinator or, or somebody looking at you and saying, you know, that he can or can't do a certain thing or whatever. I, could, I was just going there out there and, and playing and having fun. And, uh, you know, get back to, like, the mechanical stuff. Um, they they really taught me how to use, like, my leverage. I'm a, I'm a bigger, bigger guy. Um, and, you know, I've, I was always a guy that was, like hand-eye coordination, uh, you know, hit the ball gap to gap, 
you know, but never really put out like home run numbers. It was like doubles numbers, not not home run numbers. And uh, they kind of taught me how to use my leverage and not necessarily, I mean, you know, you, you take the outside pitch, you know, where it's pitched, but they also taught me that, you know, you can take a pitch a middle away and get it to left center. You see guys home runs in the big leagues, you know, constantly on like ESPN, you know, pool also take a, a pitch middle away and, and pull it to the left center and, you know, if it's elevated or whatever. And, and that's kind of what they taught me how to do. Yeah, the um, you mentioned your ability to to go from being sort of a double sitter alleys guy, maybe to more of mm-hmm. a uh, to being able to put that ball over the wall, uh, maybe hook it a little bit into left center. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the sort of one one reference point for mechanical adjustments and the success that it can cause for uh, for for you know uh, even the average baseball fan, I think would be Jose Bautista, right? We know that. Yeah, yeah, no, and I would, I would, I like to reference him too. As far as, um, he, he, he did, um, you know, was, was at that point in his career too, where he felt like he needed to make an adjustment, and uh, you know, he did exactly what I did. You know, um, I moved closer to the plate, um, so I made, you know, it, it puts more pressure on the on the pitcher to execute it inside pitch. Because if they, you know, miss over the plate at all, it's, you know, normally a pitch that can be handled. You know, he is, and, and he, you know, he's showed him that he he can do that, um, and and that's what I feel like I'm I'm starting to do. That. I can show that if you don't if you don't put a perfect pitch inside and you leave it over the plate, I'm gonna I'm gonna hit it, and that's where I'm looking. You know, that's where I want it. I want the pitch, um, and that was and that was the thing too. Coming up, I always had a, a difficult time hitting the inside fastball and and with those coaches they they taught me how to um attack the inside ball you know fastball and you know use your use your top top hand to, to get there as quickly as possible um you know looking at Bautista and looking at like Barry Bonds probably you know one of the best home run hitters um of all time it, their top hand is is what is taking the ball, you know, the 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 bat of the ball, um, quickly, you know, and short. So it, it um, must be cool and also uh, humbling to know because, I mean, you, this is a this is a sort of change you're making at age, you know, your age, uh, 27, 28, 29 season. At this yeah. point, you've been playing baseball, I assume, since you were, you know, four or five years old. Mm-hmm. To realize, yeah. you know, twenty something years into your your life playing baseball. That there's this additional change you can make that yeah. that makes you not a totally different player, uh, but certainly helps you. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, and and I was when I went to college, they were they taught uh, kind of like a bottom hand approach, taking like the knob to the baseball, which you you hear a lot of of hitting coaches talk about taking like you know the knob to the ball and uh, quote unquote staying inside the ball, and, but for me. Um, you know, I, I, I understood that and I did it to almost the extent that where it would hurt me. Like I, I would inside out ball, like, uh, kind of like Derek Cheater. I mean, Derek Cheater's got 3,000 hits, but if you were to say, you look at me and look at Derek Cheater, he's a shortstop. I'm a corner infielder. I shouldn't be hitting like Derek Cheater. You know, I should be hitting, you know, like a, like a corner infielder. So, um, or corner outfielder or whatever. And it, 
for me, I knew if I was going to keep playing, I knew I had to make an adjustment to, to learn how to hit with more power. And, um, you know, you, you said, like, uh, learning to, like, hook the ball into the left center. It's not necessarily hooking the ball. It's more more or less actually hitting the ball with, with backspin, like hitting every ball with backspin um, and keeping the ball that's down the line fair um, for a home run instead of hooking foul for, you know, a strike. So I think that those are the things that have helped me um, in the past two seasons that I, I learned how to attack the inside pitch, keep it fair, um, and and make the field, you know, relatively shorter, um, saying that, I, you know, I, I turned my gap to gap into down the line to left center, you know, now, you know, the balls that were short hopping the wall gap to gap are now going over the wall. And when I when I kind of turn the field in a in a sense. Now, as we said, a lot of the success has come uh, has come with with York. Uh, I think you've been there two <clears throat> years. York, uh, the York Revolution have, have been the Atlantic League champions the last two years. Uh, I just uh, I, I've only had limited uh, sort of interactions or or have limited knowledge of the club, but I know that mm-hmm. uh, in corresponding briefly with the uh, play-by-play guy Daryl Henry, um, mm-hmm. he seems like a great guy. Uh, yeah. Uh, the good. the the website is uh, it seems like it, I get the sense that there is a lot of enthusiasm about the team and I, I guess I'm curious as yeah. to what your experience has been uh, playing playing for York and you know whether it's the team or or the town what what that's been like. Um, definitely. Um, I had a I had a different idea of what what independent baseball was was going to be like. Um, you know when you when you're in affiliate ball, you know you're you're always thinking, oh, I don't want to ever go play independent baseball because you know they know you know you, they don't make money and and you know it's like oh you play on these crappy fields or whatever what have you and it's just all kind of a farce i mean the atlantic league is is unbelievable um most most everywhere you go other than maybe one or two places um are you know that don't draw draw like sellout crowds um you know there's and the fan bases are are amazing. Um, you know, probably, you know, in York, uh, the fans come out and watch the team. You know, m- maybe more so than even you know affiliated ball, because a lot of those guys come back and play in in York, where in affiliate ball they, you know, move on, you know, move up or move on or whatever they you know might happen. So there's a lot of uh, you know. The fans really enjoy uh, the the team, and and they have something to get behind um, as far as the town goes, um, and that, and that's everywhere. I mean, Lancaster, Long Island, um, you know, there's you know even uh, Southern Maryland, like they they all the teams other than maybe like Bridgeport. Bridgeport kind of you know doesn't draw the 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 biggest crowds. Uh, Camden doesn't draw the biggest crowds because they have, you know, the Philadelphia Phillies right there, too. So they're kind of competing with that. But um, overall, I mean, the the fans all over come out and and watch the teams and and support it. And and like I said, I had a, a definitely different view of what independent baseball is like. And I mean, the fields that you play on too are 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 you know minor league, double AA, A, triple A type fields. You know, you think you're going to go play on, you know, some park 
field or something like that. No, it's nothing like that. It's these people take it as serious as a you know affiliated baseball, or even actually maybe more serious because they wanna they wanna represent and say you know the Atlantic League is the best independent league you can play in. Well, you know, yeah, I don't and, know. Uh, <laughs> this, this may or may not be news to you, but um, uh, we we have a, a gentleman on staff, Brian Cartwright at, at Fangraphs, who um, who sort of has made an art out of. Um, uh, translating, you know, translating numbers between various leagues, whether it's an affiliated ball or unaffiliated ball or mm-hmm. foreign ball. Uh, and I, I said, sure. uh, um, you know, relative to the other indie leagues, what is the Atlantic League like, you know, in terms of uh, level of competition? And uh, mm-hmm. he he said it was number one by quite a distance. Uh, uh, that, yeah. that may or may not surprise you. I don't know. No, no, it, it, and it doesn't. Uh, after playing there for, you know, part of two seasons, there's a lot of ex-big leaguers. Um, there's a lot of guys that are kind of like me, you know, like in their late 20s, maybe early 30s, that are hitting the prime of their career. But for whatever reason, you know, now we we don't get that shot like that. Even I'd say five, five, six years ago, you see more more, you know, veteran guys at you know, Triple A or even even the Double A level. Like you see, you see a handful of veteran guys on a team. Uh, where they don't do that really anymore, and a lot of them are going to play in, in the Atlantic League, and if, if they still want to play, because they know it is you know the best place to go play and you know the best competition, and and really I feel like the best place to get noticed and get picked up or or get an opportunity somewhere else. I, I had a, a chance to go for a tryout in Japan this past year, um, ended up not making it, but you know I had that opportunity to go see Japan and. Um, you know, and now playing in, in Venezuela, um, you know, there's a, a couple guys on the team that were like, we tried to get you here last year, you know, talking to the, you know, the management and, you know, that they, they went a different route and, you know, I, I, they talked to him again this year about me and, you know, they ended up, you know, signing me and I, I have a, I feel like they're happy with what I've done, you know, so, um, you know, I, it, it does open up doors and, and maybe even more so, more doors uh, than than affiliated ball. When I played affiliated ball, I, I feel like there's you get so many more connections in in independent ball because you're, everybody's trying to do the same thing. You know, they they love the game and they want to they want to get back in to affiliated ball or go play. You know, in Asia or you know wherever. You know, it's just. Uh, it's a it's a love and a, and a grind that everybody's going through, and they all and we all support each other, you know. And we all you know want the other guy, even you know, even though you're competing against a lot of the the players, you're also you're you're hoping that you, one of us makes it out of it. And like like Lou Ford this past year went from the Atlantic League to the big leagues as a position player, you know, with with Baltimore, and it was like you you root for stuff like that to happen because. There is so many guys like that in the league that you you really feel like that can happen. Um, you mentioned it earlier uh, with regard to to opportunity and um, you know it, its availability when you were especially in the Tampa Bay organization. Uh, when I asked, uh, uh, we mentioned this this uh, before we started recording, but I, I mentioned that uh, as soon as I tweeted out that uh, you were among the the best unaffiliated hitters in baseball this year. Uh, Fernando Perez, who who was a teammate of yours uh, through a number of different minor league levels, he he let, he wrote back to me immediately. Uh, he said, "Well, first of all, uh, he had uh, considerable praise for you just as a guy. He said this great guy. Also, uh, he said uh, he said would have 
uh, said if if he had been a higher draft pick, in in, in reference to you, uh, would have mm-hmm. would have almost certainly gotten more opportunities, um, or yeah. sort of given the benefit of the doubt more. Now I I, I don't need yeah. you. I'm not going to ask you to uh, to grind any axes here. But do you get the sense generally, no. objectively, that's the case? Yeah. No. Definitely. Um, you know, just the teams put money into players and. Uh, they want those players that that they say those are their investments, and they want those players to succeed. You know, and maybe you know more so than the, than the guy like myself who is a 19th rounder. Um, you know, I didn't get you know top 10 round money. Uh, so, is it do they want those top 10 rounders to succeed more than you? I mean, maybe not necessarily. Like, yeah, I mean, they want all of their obviously everybody to, to be the best player they can be but as far as opportunities go you know I had to go out there and prove myself every single year and I had a year where I had a down year and and that was kind of the the end of the road with with that organization which was you know whatever if that's the way they saw it but you know you see guys that that were you know higher picks that get opportunities you know, year in and year out, um, maybe not being successful and still get an opportunity. Um, so you, you kind of learn to understand that part of the game because they are, you know, we are investments and, you know, they made investments and they don't want their investment to look poorly, you know. They want to make it look good, so they're going to give m- maybe more of an opportunity to a guy that, that was a higher rounder than, than a guy that that wasn't. Yeah, and I don't I don't know if this is exactly irony, uh, but it is a fact that you played uh, at least overlapped in, in the the Rays organization for some time with uh, Delman Young, who mm-hmm. who happened to be uh, you know first round pick was right. the number one overall prospect in baseball. I mean he was like in the Baseball America top ten for yeah. I think like three consecutive years, and at yeah. this point. Um, and again, this is not this is not to dump on Delman Young, but it no. is to say that he's been roughly a replacement level hit, you know, player after you know 3,500 plate appearances. Which we look at your numbers translated, they've also been roughly replacement level. But uh, right, but it's, you have 3,500 fewer major league appearances. I guess is the point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I mean, and and it, that just goes back to like you, you know, the the investment, the they. They made an investment in picking him first overall, and you know they wanted to see their investment, you know, bloom and and if that be at the major league level, that that's where it was going to be. And you know, he's, and in his defense, I feel like he's gotten better as he's played, um, and and as he's gotten into more of the prime of his career. You know, like I feel like you know playing in Detroit isn't the greatest hitters park obviously you have the triple crown winner there but he's amazing uh, and you know Miguel Cabrera but you you know him playing in in Detroit and you know had it, he, the playoffs he you know he played very well um and I feel like he's he's like the just the what a baseball player is they learn the game as you get older and you know I, I still feel like even a guy like Dylan Young can get even better, you know, um, if he feels like, you know, he can make those strides. And I feel like he he probably is, you know, like he knows he has to get better. And like you said, he is he 
does he feel like he's a replacement player? I don't I don't think he does. I think he thinks he's a you know a good player at the major league level. So yeah, I, you know, the, just back to the the point of you know getting the opportunity and and taking advantage of it and being in the right place at the right time too. You know, and, and that's all I'm hoping for right now is just to get into a situation hopefully this next year to be at the right place at the right time and and you know show them that I can I can play at at the level that you know they see major league players play at. I'm not going to hold you too much longer. I did uh, on that topic of opportunity, though. I wonder if you ever like, uh, if there was ever any frustration when you realized that uh, you, you know, organizationally, you would be competing at some level with Evan Longoria uh, for third mm-hmm. base. Uh, you, yeah. you know, you talk about Miguel Cabrera being amazing. Mm-hmm. Evan Longoria is a player who does does a lot uh, on both right. sides. You know, both both sides of the, mm-hmm. the field. Uh, mm-hmm. I wonder if you felt. Uh, if you felt not like you know like a Job like character, but you're like, come on, can we just have someone yeah. who's not who's not otherworldly at third base? Uh, exactly. I mean, it, and that was the thing too. I, you know, playing with him for a good portion of uh, his first his double A season. Um, you know, I I got the privilege to play first base and watch him over there and, and learned a lot from him because you know I was I was still feel I still felt like I could play third base even though of my size and 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 that sort of stuff but you know watching him play was an absolute privilege and uh just seeing the little things how he was so consistent um you know hitting and you know defensively uh because i mean he's if you think about it i mean his arm is not like a big time prospect arm you know he doesn't have like a cannon across the infield he has like a nice ball that that carries the first base but it's nothing like we're like oh wow that guy's got a unbelievable arm and but he made unbelievable plays look even that much simpler because he knew how to get rid of the ball so quickly like Brooke, almost like Brooks Robinson-esque like he, he had a, a, a knack of getting himself in a, a position to throw the ball on a, on a, a decent you know trajectory uh, to, to over to first base and, and, and have the ball get there and carry um, and you know when I played with, got to play with him, I knew I was playing with something more special than just another big leaguer. You know, it was, it was. You knew you were playing with like a big league all star, or even maybe possibly a big league hall of famer. You know, you you don't want to say that. You know, he's still early in his career, and barring injury and and all that stuff. But you know what he's done early in his career, as far as a rookie of the year, Gold Glover, Silver Slugger, like. He's on his way to becoming a Hall of Fame type baseball player, and you know, getting opportunities to play with somebody like that and learn from the little things that they do, uh, and, and just the type of person he was too. I mean, he's a he's a real good guy. And, um, you know, took you know took his profession seriously. So uh, you just learn little things, even even if he is younger than you, you still learn that sort of stuff. From other players and, and see how they carry themselves and, and you know I, I learned a lot and and I, I felt like it became you know I became a better player because of, of that and seeing seeing that so um, you know I have, I have no complaints about <laughs> getting to play with uh, and and being at the same position as Adam Longoria right yeah yeah uh, now uh, two quick questions uh, looking at your uh, looking over your career here I did notice 
that there that um, in addition to fielding and uh, and batting numbers at uh, at baseball reference you also have a uh, you have one inning of uh pitching oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> this past year yes. this past year i got uh, i got my first i guess you know professional inning yeah and uh you know it started off rough i gave up uh, a home run to the first hitter um <laughs> to a guy that i had played against, played with excuse me um the year before and he's a and notorious, you know, take a strike guy. Uh-huh. Who's this? And, Who, who's uh, a... uh, his name is Bryant Nelson. Okay. He's a, he's a switch hitter. Uh, played in Japan. Um, I think he has a little big league time too. Um, but so I, you know, I get up there. And I think I threw a ball first pitch. So the next pitch, I was like, okay, just you know, get one over. You know, don't don't try to overthrow it. So I just threw him like a group. You know, but I was trying to throw it away. And I just drew like middle and DC <laughs> fastball. It was probably like 80 miles an hour on the tee, you know, and he, he ended up taking it out of the yard. And I was like, all right. So I, I amped up the next three guys, you know, and I was, <laughs> you know, the, the catcher said maybe I, I might have touched 90, you know, so I, uh, ended up getting, uh, a fly out, a, a strikeout, and then, uh, a ground out. You got a wrinkle so. in anything you throw? Uh, the guys were saying I was just throwing a changeup, but they looked, said that from the side it was looking like a slider, so it must have had some good like depth on it, you know. But I don't, no, nah, I didn't, didn't want to go out there and really hurt myself by throwing a wrinkle. <laughs> yeah, well, actually, looking, uh, you, you probably know that Trevor Bauer, the uh, pitching prospect for, uh, well, formerly of Arizona, now of Cleveland, uh, was mm-hmm. recently traded. Uh, we're, he has a pitch that he calls a reverse slider. I don't know if you ever seen one of those. You know what? I this test. Um, in winter ball here, a guy threw a backup slider, and it—I it, mean, it's—it spun like a slider, but it moved the other way. It was—it was—it was really weird, and I didn't know if he meant to do it, you know, because you'll see guys that'll throw sliders inside that kind of backup, but you know, are probably relatively staying on the same plane. But as a hitter, you expect it to move the other way, so it kind of looks like it's moving into you. Um. But if a guy could perfect that pitch, that would be one of the nastiest pitches you could throw in, in baseball, I feel like. Because guys see the rotation of it, oh, it should be moving away from them, and it just kind of moves into them, then, yeah, it's uh, it's definitely a, a pitch that can get a lot of hitters out, get me out, I know that. Well, yeah, actually, uh, the, I think it was his first, the first battery ever faced in the, in the majors, Bauer, was uh, Michael Bourne, and he he threw that. He got Bourne out looking on that pitch. And Bourne's not easy yeah. to strike out. So it, it, it no, looked like yeah. Bourne wanted nothing to do with it. Right, yeah, no, there's, yeah, as, as hitters, you, you're going up there looking for certain things. And when a pitcher, you know, disrupts that, that's uh, that's tough for a hitter to, to, to adjust too quickly or, you know, as, as the pitch is that being thrown, you know, maybe if you threw it earlier in the at bats that he might have been able to adjust to it. But if it was the first time he saw it, you know, something you, as a hitter you just have to tip your hat and maybe go get him next time because you know if you get three three hits out of ten and they say you're a Hall of Famer in, in the game, so uh, you're doing pretty good. So if, you get, if they get you the other seven times, there's nothing you can do about it. Uh, last question uh, right now on eBay. Uh, there is a hat for sale. Huntsville Stars uh-huh. minor league game, minor league uh, baseball game, u- game used hat uh, worn by Chris Nowak. Ooh. Number 36. 
price yeah, yeah, uh, price 1999 is that would you do is that a deal or a steal would you say is that a deal or a steal uh, you know i don't know because if i if i had if it's game used and i wore that it it probably really stinks because my uh, hats normally really stink. It is a sweaty-looking hat, my man. It yeah, <laughs> it, you know, I would, I would, I would try to maybe, you know, is, is it like a buy it now price and maybe like or best offer? You can maybe get down to like twelve ninety-nine on that. Well, we'll have to we'll have to talk to uh, let's see, Pit Pit Steel Penguin. It appears to be Pit Steel Penguin uh, is selling this hat. Yeah, it does have uh, quite uh, a quite a lot in the way of uh, sweat marks on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just you, you see the sweat marks. Just imagine the smell, <laughs> especially over the years too. I don't, I don't know. That's been that's been a while since I played for Huntsville, so it really yeah, has time no, to I marinate. <laughs> and obviously, if it's still there, nobody's interested <laughs> as far as a, a hat. Uh, that's funny. Well, there it is. All right, hey, listen. Uh, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna hit stop here a second. Uh, just uh, off air, I'll thank you. But I wanna uh, I wanna thank you uh, for the no benefit problem. of the listener uh, for for appearing on Fangraphs Audio. Hey, no problem. Thank you for having me. And uh, yeah, hopefully I gave you something that you can work with. Yeah, we'll do. We got some here. Yeah, that's so that's Chris Nowak. Uh, I would say the best unaffiliated hitter uh, in baseball right now. I'm Carson Stooley. This has been Fangraphs Audio. Mm-hmm.